Right, welcome along to another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast. I've done nearly 40 shows now, and uh, the gentleman joining me this week was going to be one of the very first guests. Unfortunately, it never quite happened. He's been a very hard guest to uh, track down uh, for a podcast, but I finally managed to do it. Uh, Lewis James Brown joins me. Lewis, how's it going? It's going well, thanks. Yeah, yeah, it's good to finally link with you. Uh, I think we first tried in, um, it was probably during the second lockdown in the UK in, in 2020 at some point and uh, couldn't make it work and now uh, here we are. Yeah, uh, I ho- hopefully it's worth the wait. Um, it's very strange to actually do a podcast where, where it's still daylight because I'm used to doing podcasts about sort of, you know, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, sometimes later than that. Uh, so yeah, very weird to have the... Uh, curtains drawn and uh you know not sunlight blasting through the window but some daylight blasting through yeah, uh, i think it's a second it's, uh, <laughs> it's nearly 5 p.m and that's night time at the moment but there we go so i i always ask my guests um you know have you got anything to plug you know have you got your own podcast or your own sort of newsletter or anything like that and um you were telling me um that you could we can maybe give a shout out to uh play fight london so tell us about Play Fight London. Uh, yeah, so I've uh, I started training again at the end of uh, last year in, in professional wrestling, and this is a school that's been set up uh, just last year by the current Progress World Champion Cara Noir, and uh, it's based in Greenwich, and it's a, it's a really good place to go along and, and train and learn, and um, not just the professional wrestling side of things. They do gymnastics as well. And if you've ever seen Cara Noir wrestle, you'll realise that he blurs the boundaries between wrestling and performance art and uh, dance and all sorts of things. So it's a really great place to learn and a really great environment. So is that something you would like to get into as a career? Is it something sort of you're doing as a hobby yeah. right now? or? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's uh, fitness first and foremost, but... Uh, you know, I'm I'm knocking on a bit, so I don't know if it's a career, but it's uh, <laughs> it's an itch that I, I would like to scratch to have a to ma- a match in front of however small a crowd one day. Um, well, it, it, would, it would be something on the bucket list. It's never too late to start. I mean, look at look at Diamond Dallas Page, and uh, I mean Batista was knocking on a bit. To be fair to him, wasn't he when he started? So you never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he's a good one, but uh, I don't have a mate like Bischoff. So <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. Um, so obviously, this podcast is about how you became a fan in the first place and uh, how your sort of fandoms evolved so if we were going to go, go back to the very beginning of when you became a wrestling fan what is your earliest memory of wrestling when would you have first sort of uh, come across it so i couldn't place the year but it was my my uncle uh, my my father's brother got me into being a fan because he would he had sky he was one of the first who had sky in our family and he could tape all the the pay-per-view events and he would get the videos uh, so I remember him lending me WrestleMania 4 with the, the big tournament, oh, uh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, yes, nobody thinks is a good uh, WrestleMania these days. But to me, having the first WrestleMania I'd ever seen, I thought it was fantastic. And um, yeah, I, I remember him taping the various uh, pay-per-views. Another bad pay-per-view um, I remember him taping was uh, WrestleMania 9. Oh, God, um, yeah. <laughs> And then he, he passed away uh, shortly after of a brain tumour, sadly. So um, that, that's my big overriding memory uh, of my uncle is that he, he got me into wrestling. And uh, he's the only 
family member that I knew who was into wrestling. So here I am 30 years later and uh, his legacy lives on of getting me into professional wrestling. Yeah, those are not the best two WrestleManias, are they, to, uh, <laughs> to be fair? But um, who, I mean, WrestleMania 4, I mean, obviously, that, as you say, that was the tournament to crown the new champion. So was Randy Savage one of the first people that you sort of gravitated towards as a fan? Or uh, who were some yeah. of the guys that you sort of really, yeah, sort of captured your imagination, so to speak? So I went completely the other way. The first person I remember really capturing my imagination was the Million Dollar Man, oh, okay. Ted DiBiase. I thought he was fantastic. I thought I, he had such a great laugh. You know, he, he was charismatic, and I, I just, um, I just dug that everyone that I was watching with wanted him to lose. Uh, so I had to be different, and I wanted him to, wanted him to win. Yeah, he's one of the all time one of the all time great heels, I would say. Mm. And that character is very much. I mean, that was basically the Mr. McMahon character before there was a Mr. McMahon. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember listening to the uh, Pro, uh, Pritchard podcast and them floating uh, that they might have got Ric Flair to play the character if he'd have come across earlier, which uh, would have been interesting. But I think he could have pulled it off. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to imagine anyone other than Ted DiBiase now. But yeah, I mean, Rick would have been an interesting choice for sure. Um, what was the first? live event that you had attended so i remember being ill i would have been about seven years old my dad coming up to me to try and cheer me up uh, there's just been wwf wrestling on the tv lewis would you like to go yeah and he bought tickets for SummerSlam 1992 wembley stadium right. huge event uh, i remember cutting a, a picture of the british bulldog out of the sun newspaper sticking it to a piece of cardboard and uh, sitting right up in the, the most nosebleed seats you could ever get, the Olympic box at uh, Wembley by the entrance where the wrestlers came in and you couldn't really see anything. Everyone was like ants, but it was just a fantastic experience to be at uh, the, the, the SummerSlam. They thought they'd never see, I think it was. You must remember that, uh, that kid um, who, who um, famously said, the British Bulldog's going to win whether he wants to or not. Do you, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, they found them, didn't they, recently? <laughs> they found yeah. them, yeah. I thought I saw a YouTube video of it, because I thought I'm the only one that remembers it, but then all these people, so I, I sort of Googled it one day, and thought, oh, other people remember it too. That, that really stands out, for whatever reason, that really stands out from that SummerSlam. I don't know why, but that obviously was 30 years ago this year. Yeah. And there was talk of doing another WWE pay-per-view. I'm not, I'm not sure if uh, COVID is going to sort of put those plans... Um, is going to you know, cause problems to those plans. But there was talk of them doing an event uh, in the UK this year to mark the uh, 30th anniversary. Yeah, I've always thought they should do that, and that would be fantastic to see. And as a, as a Tottenham fan, I'd, I'd like to see them follow in Anthony Joshua's footsteps and uh, go to the Tottenham <laughs> Hotspur Stadium. Of course, if it was AEW, it would be uh, Craven Cottage, of course. But yeah, uh, <laughs> but um, so you you don't really you couldn't see a lot from SummerSlam '92. But any any particular things from it stand out to you at all? I have a I have a really vivid memory of the Legion of Doom coming down on their motorbikes, and Paul Ellering had the the Rocco puppet. Uh, yeah. And I, I also remember. That the, the the order the match was in on the Coliseum home video was not the order of the night. I remember that distinctly because I, I think they put the the title match up the top, as you'd expect. But um, the go home match was the the main event was Bret Hart versus British Bulldog, yeah. as everybody wanted to see. 
So uh, I remember being quite confused about that the first time I ever saw it on home video. Is it hard to sort of remember a sort of percentage of how many fans were rooting for Brett and how many were rooting for Bulldog? Because it, it kind of came across as maybe sort of 50-50, maybe slightly in, in Bulldog's favour, obviously being the Brit, but um, what was your sort of, um, obviously, how, how old were you in 92? Uh, I would have been seven. Oh, okay, so um, I suppose it's kind of hard to really... It to, is. <laughs> but, but, uh, um, I, I do remember thinking it's strange that there were people who didn't want Bulldog to win because I was quite a patriotic kid, you know, he's the, he's the home country boy. I, I was surprised that there were people who, uh, who were hoping he'd lose. I suppose at the time, Brett was the most popular guy in the company, though, wasn't he, at that, at, yeah. at that time? I mean, that, that was right before he went on to win the title for the first time from, from Ric Flair. Um, so, yeah, he was at the height of his popularity at, the, at that time. And Brett always had a very big following in the UK. I mean, uh, particularly when we look at the Team Canada versus Team USA angle they did, he was a babyface everywhere but the States. I mean, when he came over to the UK for that one-night-only a similar kind of dynamic, I suppose, from the, the one night only show because he was up, up against the Undertaker. So I, I, the fans were very much split there as well because they loved the Undertaker. Yeah, and I think that's you often see a lot of uh, rooting for the Canadian guys. I remember attending one of the late WCW Nitros and uh, Team Canada, Lance Storm and Elix Skipper and all that were over, and they were really popular. At any point from when you sort of started watching, uh, sort of late eighties through to today did you ever stop watching altogether at any point uh i never let it go completely uh but there were periods of waxing and waning so i found um the ruthless aggression period difficult um yeah, pretty much from the Katie Vick moment, I think uh, <laughs> I, I was kind of turned off, and um, you know, through La Resistance and things like that, uh, I would dip it out for quite a while. But then I'd always come back to see Eddie Guerrero or, or, or Chris Benoit winning the title because I'd want to see those guys and the, the matches they could put on. So there was never a time when I, I walked away and, and didn't pay attention. I'd always be checking the results on the, the internet and what have you. I think a lot of people look at 2002-2003 as, as a point where they... I think a lot of that had to do with there being no competition anymore, with WCW going out of business, ECW going out of business. It, it felt like... I mean, TNA was just sort of starting around that time, but it felt like the only company in town was the WWE, and, and there, there was like no alternative. And I think there's a lot to say for that, that um, competition definitely makes you stronger. And hopefully with AEW coming up now... We'll start to see an improvement in WWE. I don't know because it, it seems that when they have some competition, things improve. But I don't, yeah, know, I, I don't know if I've got faith in Vince to be able to know what to do in these circumstances anymore. He seems to be uh, completely out of touch. But we'll see. That's the thing. Do they even consider AEW their competition? Isn't their competition the movies and the cartoons? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And those. But um, what are your sort of viewing habits now? So, do you watch any? WWE programming at all, or is it just simply AEW and like New Japan and stuff like that? Well, I yeah, I aim to, I hope to. I, I try to watch SmackDown uh, when I can, and uh, I've been enjoying what I, I've been seeing recently uh, with uh, Brock Lesnar, Sami Zayn, mm. um, Raw. I haven't watched Raw since after WrestleMania. Um, it's just it's just too long, and it just takes up too much of your week. 
Uh, and NXT, I was still a huge NXT fan until until the the relaunch, and um, they kind of lost me there. But uh, and then it is yeah AEW. I'm always a week or two behind on AEW, but I'm always I, I have to watch everything. I'm always catching up and New Japan. And I suppose um, AEW is that sort of like must see every week i know that you are a little bit behind aren't you though you i I see you sort of commenting on the thread sort of two or three weeks after the fact but uh sorry say again i've just done new year's smash i've just done oh so you're 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 catching up you're nearly there yeah so you've seen the first danielson hangman match but not the second one yes Yeah. yeah that's exactly right the next set of questions I call rapid fire, but actually I've found as I've done more and more of these podcasts, it's actually the opposite way around. The uh, first question set of questions seems to be more rapid fire and the second question seems to take a bit longer. But favourite wrestler of all time? So you mentioned uh, the Million Dollar Man being your first sort of favourite uh, when you first st- started watching it. But um, looking back over the years, is there one wrestler that stands out above any other as your sort of favourite? Well, I think now it's it's more in retrospect than it was uh, at the time because I saw him at the tail end of his career. But uh, for me, it's it's Ric Flair. I mean, he's the greatest mm-hmm. who ever did it. And I watch a lot of uh, NWA World Championship Wrestling on the network, and it's just so fantastic to see him in the in the studio with Shivani and, and Davy Crockett cutting his promos. It's it's some of the most fun wrestling you can watch. So. Uh, and then in the ring as well, his great body of matches. I think at the time, I was probably a bigger fan of The Rock than anybody. Uh, so right. he, he was my guy. But yeah, lo- looking back on it now and, and what I like to watch now uh, and the history of it, it's definitely the nature one. I mean, the next question is favourite match. So if, if it's not a Ric Flair match, I want to also know what your favourite Ric Flair match is. But uh, favourite match of all time, what would you uh, select for that one? Ah, uh, well, that's uh, as uh, my favourite match is probably the Okada Omega two out of three falls match because right. I just think you've got everything in there, uh, everything you could ever want. It's a smorgasbord of, of wrestling, um, so it's definitely the best match. Is it? Um, it, it seems like too much of an obvious answer though. So <laughs> um, if I think of another one, if, uh, one of my favourite matches. Of all time is the uh, Ishii Shibata 12-minute five-star uh, match that they had in one of the G1s. I can't remember if it was 12 or 13, something like that, where they just went out for for 12 minutes and just absolutely laid into each other. That that was just fantastic to watch. Uh, so that is one of my favourites. Uh, Flair, I think um, the Royal Rumble 1992 would have mm. to be up there. But mm-hmm. if you wanted a more conventional match it would be one of the steamboat uh classics or it would be the uh the terry funk i quit yeah not for the not for the first time on this podcast i'm going to sort of draw a comparison between okada omega and steamboat flair i think okada omega their series of matches is kind of like a modern day equivalent of, of steamboat and flair i think it's in that same it's certainly the same level as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I, I think those two work so well together. Do you think that's a fair comparison? Uh, definitely, yeah. And I think you know they've built on, on what those guys did and they, they've, they've taken it to a whole new level. And I just hope we see it in America now and uh, the fifth Forbidden Doors open and 
hopefully a car to walk through that sometime very soon. And I mean the '92 Royal Rumble. I mean that that's got to be up there. That's one of my. I, I remember watching that video many many times renting it from a local video store and watching it and uh probably the most star-studded royal rumble when, when you look back at who was in that rumble i mean hogan flair savage piper i mean it's just like a who's who almost you know Shawn michaels before he sort of became the heartbreak kid i think he obviously just just um broken up from uh, marta Ginetti, but i don't think brett was in there though i think um but apart from, I mean, pretty much every single major star of the time was in that Royal Rumble because it was um, The Undertaker as well, because it was for the vacant championship, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and 1992 is a really good sort of low-key year for, for guys like Sean and Britt. They do some of their best work. Um, I mean, obviously, Britt goes on to win the title at the end of the year. Um, but yeah, you've got those guys coming through and, and then the famous guys on top. Uh, I do love the uh, Survivor Series 92 main event as well. I, I, I'm yeah, sure I was, yeah. yeah, I literally was just going to say that's probably the best. I would say maybe the best Brett Shaw match because um, WrestleMania 12, the Iron Man match was never was never one of my favourite matches. I, I just felt it was a bit. It was a little bit boring, to be to be totally honest. But that, that '92 Survivor Series match, because back then, as far as I know, they they kind of got on at the time. Yeah. And they, were, they were pretty good friends, but obviously later on, their relationship deteriorated, and they really couldn't work together, which is a shame because we didn't really get a great series with those two, do we? When you think about it. But that '92, you know, as a British guy, uh, the chain wrestling in that match is fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's it's one I like to go back to regularly. So you're at Summer Sam '92, but you, you don't really, you can't really say it was your favourite event because I mean you were only what seven years old and, and really couldn't see much of what was going on. So what would be your favourite event you attended? Would you say? Well, so. I think my favourite half of an event, if I could say that, was the um, the New Japan Madison Square Garden show that I got uh, I got to go to when we went to WrestleMania that year. So the New Japan half was just fantastic. Unfortunately, the Ring of Honor half didn't hold up <laughs> the bargain so much. But uh, yeah, that I think um, that was the best pure wrestling i've seen uh, i'd also say the takeover in orlando so those are the two times i've been to wrestlemania orlando 2017 and, and new york in 2019 uh, and the takeover 2017 um which was uh, bobby Roode, nakamura in the main event you know th those takeovers back in the day were just oh, fantastic yeah. from start to finish so anyone you could go to was brilliant um and i actually had tickets for the london one uh, which was Joe Baller and uh, and couldn't go in the end because uh, an event clashed with it. But uh, I finally got to go to a takeover in 2017, and, and that was just a great show from start to finish. Oh, that London show was that that London show was great. That them being all over Baron Corbin is, is one thing I really remember from that show. <laughs> it was just giving him so much stick. But um, two, it's funny because you mentioned like WrestleManias from recent years. And I'm struggling to remember what the cards were. So you say you went to WrestleMania in, what, 2019? If you are, oh, yeah. 2017, sorry. If you, yeah, asked me what the, 17 and 19. if you asked me what the main events were, I'd be struggling. But I can, I can name you the main event from 30 years ago. I mean, are, are you kind of similar in that way that you know, the, the cards from like 30 years ago stand out more than today? Yeah. Definitely, I think I would struggle to tell you what the main events were while I was there. Um, <laughs> the, the, I, I could tell you what the best 
moments were, the highlights were, which was, well, 2019, it was Kofi Mania. The, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, yeah. The Kofi match, definitely. 2017, there wasn't too many. I think, I think you know it's not the best WrestleMania when Shane McMahon, AJ Styles is probably the best match. Uh, I mean, oh, that, yeah. Yeah. Nothing against AJ Styles, he's brilliant. But uh, you know, when Shane McMahon's in the in the best match of the, the night, it's always, it's always a struggle. <laughs> is that the one? Twenty seventeen. Is that the one where Undertaker left all the gear in the ring at the end? That was it, Roman Reigns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We thought we'd seen the uh, Undertaker's last hurrah. We probably would have done if that match hadn't been so bad. I mean, if yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you've seen the uh, the documentary, uh, the Undertaker documentary, but basically yeah. the whole story is him just looking for that last great match and never getting it and then finally he sort of he sort of decides the AJ Styles match at WrestleMania um it was what 2020 um is is the one he's going to you know ride out in the ride out to on in the sunset to but um yeah i mean yeah like you say it's very very difficult uh, WrestleMania's being there live does it feel as long as it does watching it on TV because those events seem to just absolutely drag on and on and on it feels longer because you're in a you're in a tiny plastic chair. Uh, your your butt is in agony, and uh, you've been there for six hours or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, coming up to the early hours of the morning. Yeah, in New York, it felt longer than the six hours. How do you feel um, about them splitting them up over two nights? You think that's a better idea? Would you be more well more open to going to a two night WrestleMania rather than the one night? For sure, definitely. Yeah, two nights. I would definitely be in for. Um, they're just going to keep them shorter. Just, uh, you know, my worry is they're going to creep up and creep up, and eventually we're going to get two six-hour nights. <laughs> yeah, that would not be the that would not be the best, would it? <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, WrestleMania's, especially in recent years, as I say, it's very hard to think of a, a match that stands out. I mean, I mean. I don't know why I've always sort of preferred SummerSlams. I, I I can name you SummerSlam matches that stand out more than WrestleMania matches for some reason. Uh, go on, give me a classic SummerSlam match from recently. Then I'm just well, maybe not so much recently, but certainly in the past when I think of like the great matches of the '90s, there's more mm. SummerSlam matches than there are WrestleMania matches. But um, in recent years, nothing really stands out to me from WWE. I'm honest. Um, so 2017 as well was the, uh, the the really good short Brock Lesnar Goldberg match. Uh, uh, yes, yeah. The, the next night Goldberg came out first and um, got it from the crowd. To be fair, that was probably the best match they had out of all yeah. the ones. I mean, uh, WrestleMania 20 obviously was a train wreck because everyone knew they were both leaving, so they decided to get behind Steve Austin as the referee rather than yeah. doing for either guy. And then obviously. Survivor Series. I mean, that was that was kind of fun how they did it with Brock losing in like two minutes. You know, no one sort of saw that coming. Uh, in fact, in many ways, the re- more recent Goldberg runs have been better because they've utilised him in the right way. You know, back in two thousand three when he first came in, they were doing stupid stuff like putting him in Goldoss's wig and all that. Whereas Goldberg is better off just coming out. And just destroying guys in two minutes. That's what. That's how he made his name. Right, but they'll only do that for a guy who has name value and money worth, and they brought back years later. Why? Why can't they do that with the Goldbergs of today? That's Use the thing. Yeah. 
I mean, you, you would love to think they could have um, done something with Karrion Cross or, or Keith Lee. I mean, those guys felt like can't miss, but yet they're yep. both no longer with the company now. It's like, what? How the hell does that happen? Yeah, well, it doesn't even have to be um, those kind of guys. You look at Ricochet and mm-hmm. how they yep. miss it. Ricochet. Chad Gable. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we could, we could list. Uh, there, there's so much talent in WWE, even with the guys they've let go. There's still so many great talents there, and they're just not using them properly. Look at Cesaro. I mean, yeah. Cesaro could have been a main event guy. I mean, everyone says, "Oh, well, you know, he, he he's not very good on promos." I mean, I don't really buy that argument because he can cut promos in about what ten different languages. Mm-hmm. So I don't really, I don't really subscribe to that theory. But yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, the, lo- the last question I always ask everyone is, is that if there's one thing you could change about wrestling, what would it be? I mean, uh, is there one particular thing that stands out to you as like, I wish I could change that? Uh, well, I'll give you a major and a minor thing. So the, the, ma- um, the major thing along the lines of what we've been talking about there is just, I, I, I want WWE to, to find their, their niche that makes them good again. Their moment in 97, 98, that, uh, that swings it back to them or, or even if it doesn't swing it back to them at least makes them creatively great again because um, the competition does usually breed improvement or excellence and I just want them to find that, that moment that makes it creatively a boom again uh, not financially because financially it already is a boom mm. but uh, yeah I, I, you know, I'm not one of these guys who's partisan I want, I want WWE to get better and to, to be watchable again and, um, and and to take a little bit of the impetus back, um, so I really I really do hope that happens. Um, and then the minor thing, just one thing that's always bugged me is uh, is in a title match. I would really like it if they make DQs and countouts uh, title switches, because in what real sport would you have a disqualification finish and somebody keeps the title? I think if somebody's uh, getting purposely yeah. disqualified. <laughs> They need to be the title needs to change hands. And that that's one thing that WWE has a habit of of doing all too often is they put two guys against each other. They don't want to beat either guy, yeah. so they come up with some bullshit finish. And we've seen it over and over and over again. That's one thing that I do like about AEW is that in many ways they don't utilize DQs enough in AEW because we've only had what two in the whole history of the company. I think. Um, Dave was saying the other day on Observer Radio, you had the obviously the MJF. Actually, I don't want to ruin too much because obviously you don't, you don't keep up with uh, Dynamite. Um, you're you're a couple of weeks behind, but we had a DQ in a Dynamite match. I won't say which one, just not. I won't ruin it for you. But that's only the second one we've had. The other one was in a two out of three falls match with Omega Puck, uh, where yeah. Puck got uh, disqualified. I think for one of the falls. So they don't use DQs enough whereas WWE is the other way they use them too much and uh, one thing I like about AEW is at least when you have a title match for the most part unless you have like a 60 minute draw uh, you know you're going to get a winner at the end of it yeah I think another example of that as well is WWE book themselves into these corners that then they they feel they have to get out of all the time using these shortcuts but AEW book themselves into them when they make sense and one of those was Orange Cassidy versus Adam Cole mm. uh, on that New Year's uh, Smash or the, the Christmas Smash maybe it was. They had a great match and then it was the perfect ending to have Kyle O'Reilly yeah. come in and be the cause of the finish of that match. It just made sense. 
No, absolutely. I think that um, they, yeah, they, 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 they booked themselves into a corner, WWE, too much. And, and uh, I think one example, one sort of key example of that would be the Hell in a Cell match, which was an absolute train wreck between Seth Rollins and uh, The Fiend, where they clearly didn't want to put the bet on The Fiend, but they didn't want to have him lose either. It's like, well, why do the match? There's actually no need to do a match where you don't want to have either guy win it, win it in the end. So... Um, and then I think they ended up just putting the belt on the Fiend anyway in uh, like the next match they had. But yeah, I think I mean when we look at the Fiend. I mean that was such a wasted opportunity because that character is kind of hard to pull off in the day and age we're in right now. Obviously, I mean the Undertaker character would be hard to do. I think in this in this day and age, I'm sure Mark Calloway could probably have pulled it off though. But the Fiend had so much mentor behind him and they just completely pulled the rug out from under him and then he loses to Goldberg. Um, but um, looking at guys like Bray Wyatt and we mentioned Kevin Owens and... Um, no, sorry, not Kevin Owens. Kevin... Um, Keith Lee, rather. Keith Lee, Karrion Cross, guys like that that are out there right now as free agents. I sort of asked this to uh, my last guest on the podcast as well, but anybody out there that you are really wanting to see an AEW or do you kind of feel they've got enough guys right now? Uh, I think for me, I was a big um, Johnny Wrestling fan while he was on top of mm-hmm. NXT yeah. and I really wanted him to recapture that. You know, it was funny at times in the way but that's not the Johnny Gargano that we want to see. We want to see that um, Gargano on top and as well to think of him ha- having matches with Danielson and Punk. Uh, you know, that's mouth-watering if he can be that... Um, on that form that he was back in, in 2018-19 when he was feuding with Champa and uh, he had that Andrade match that I still love. So, mm. yeah, I'd really like him to come in. I think Keith Lee as well is a guy they could definitely use. Um, he is someone with a bit of size to him who, who can work really well, who's agile and um, bring back his theme tune from the, the indies as well. And, yeah, Gargano and Lee are the two I, I would take at the moment. Obviously, we talk about AEW having enough talent. If you, you, you never have too much talent, I suppose, but it's not really the Tony Khan way. But one thing they could do is they could actually not get rid of guys. That's not the right way to put it. But they could like have guys go to Impact or somewhere else because there's only so much TV time. You know, obviously, they've got Dark and they've got Dark Elevation, and now you've got Rampage. It's like a kind of like a third hour of Dynamite, if you like. But there's only so much time for these guys to get. So a guy like, I don't know, throw a name out there, Joey Janela. They really need him on the roster anymore. I mean, could they not like, I, I say get rid of, it's not the right, right, right way to put it. But could they like, I don't know, how can I, how can I say it? I feel like I'm trying to explain something like Dave Meltzer does right now. But, <laughs> you know, is there, what could they do, I suppose, to... Um, Help me out here. What am I trying to say? Um, well, you know, I, I know exactly what you're getting at because I've had this conversation earlier today with a wrestling friend because he actually thinks that the amount of guys on the AEW roster spoils it a little bit for him mm, because he yeah. has too many people to keep track of. I, I don't feel the same. I, I kind of like that people drop in and drop out and it's got a sort of huge WCW in the 90s roster feel to it. Mm, um, yeah. But, but yeah, um, I, I mean, guys who are looking to, to develop... Um, uh, Sonny Kiss is another one uh, mm-hmm. alongside yeah. jo- Joey Janela could really use a platform to, to do something on and yeah you've got those places like Impact um, Game Changer with Janela as well and 
who knows what Ring of Honor is going to be doing. You know, I, I saw somebody post that they're still planning to run their supercard in uh, April. So mm. be interesting to see if that's a place people can go to. But uh, yeah, they, they don't seem to be releasing people uh, when their contracts are up. So um, it, they do have to sort of make it work um, in terms of the guys they push. They need to pick and choose and concentrate on them uh, because I think in the early days there was a bit too much sort of stop start and new guys would come in and they'd take their foot off the gas with another one and, and cycle them in and out but I think now they're, they're, they've really sorted that out and you've got the pillars there that they're focusing on and you've got some of the other guys who have come in and they're the main focus so, so to me I, I don't really have too much of a problem with it but uh, it does. it is something that's said to me by friends that they just think there's too many guys to keep track of no, I kind of I kind of agree with you more that I think it's good they sort of filter guys in and out. I mean, like Sammy Guevara, you know, they 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 will highlight him for a little bit, and you won't see him for like maybe two or three weeks, um, which is not a bad thing because he had that great match of MJF, and then we didn't see him again because obviously MJF had the program with Jericho still ongoing at the time, so um, Sammy kind of disappeared. But that's not necessarily a bad thing because absence makes the heart grow fonder for one thing and also you don't want to you know put guys out there every single week because there is that fear of overexposing them which is what WWE does they've got like three hours of raw every week so you're seeing the same matches over and over and over again with the same guys uh whereas in AEW it doesn't hurt not to have you know hangman I mean one of the criticisms of the hangman was he won the belt then we didn't see him wrestle on the show. It's like, well, that's not a bad thing. Surely it's a good thing you're not seeing a champion every week. Yeah. And I think, uh, as I said, I'm watching a lot of NWA, WCW uh, stuff. So I, I'm not averse to the the squash matches and the enhancement talents and what have you. I, I think that's a really effective way to get guys over at times. And maybe it doesn't um, do the best numbers on the ratings, but long term, it helps you build these guys up. How do you feel the Hangman reign has gone so far? So you've not seen the second Danielson match yet, but um, I think I think he's doing a great job, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I, I'm enjoying it. I mean, it was definitely the right time to pull the trigger on him. They had to do it. And uh, I, I wouldn't say really a bad word about it. I, th I think it's great that they've got their own champion now. It's not... Um, Kenny Omega, you know, it's not Chris Jericho from WWE, it's not Kenny Omega from New Japan. Um, Adam Page feels like an AEW built guy. Okay, yeah, he was big in Ring of Honor and New Japan, but he feels like he's come of age in AEW, so he feels like their first guy to become champion. And yeah, I think it's going really well so far, and the, the, the 60 minute draw with Danielson was great, and I'm hoping the second match will, will be just as good. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what he's got lined up for the, for the next pay-per-view and what they have lined up for him for the rest of the year. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. He feels like a homegrown talent, even though, obviously, like I say, he has done work elsewhere. This is his first sort of major exposure to a, a mainstream audience, if you like, whereas, obviously, the previous champions they had, as you say, Jericho, legend, you know, that everyone knows, um, John Moxley, they will know from his run as, as Dean Ambrose, uh, Kenny Omega from from New Japan. Hangman hasn't got that uh, sort of pedigree, and so it's great to see guys like him. And uh, you see MJF sort of coming up as a potential Hill champion down the road. 
and certainly guys like Darby Allen and, and Sammy, as we mentioned, and Jungle Boy, they all feel like fresh new talents. And um, there's, there's plenty more like them. I mean, if you look at um, Dante Martin as well, yeah, I mean, the future is definitely very bright, isn't it? Yeah, it'd be really. I'm really interested to see how they um, put the utilize the world title on. Whether it's going to be guys like MJF and uh, or will guys like Punk and Danielson and others um, be back there on top at some point? Uh, would it be a mix of the two? Uh, what do you think? I think you need a mix, don't you? I think yeah. uh, I think a mix is the way to go. I mean, you can't really keep CM Punk and Danielson. I mean, Danielson's already in the title mix, but you, you can't keep those guys out of the title mix. They're always going to be in and around it, I would say, because those are your most marketable guys right now. I mean, look at CM Punk. I mean, he literally you know, sold out a building based on a rumour. I mean, yeah. it, there was, it was never confirmed he was going to be there. Uh, but um, obviously the rumours were rampant and uh, the reaction he got in Chicago was huge and it's not just in Chicago I mean he's he's popular everywhere I mean I always thought the summer of punk was a real missed opportunity because I don't think anyone because the thing with John Cena was John Cena was on top for so long and yes you had guys they could have got behind like you know Wade Barrett springs to mind but nobody was more over than CM Punk. Maybe Jeff Hardy to a point as well. I mean, Jeff Hardy was very over as well, wasn't he? But the reason they sort of kept going back to Cena was they had no one to sort of take his spot. Uh, whereas Punk felt like he could have been the guy. And I know he was the champion for over a year. But when you look back at his reign, a lot of times he was never in the main event. It was always still John Cena, wasn't it? So that was the first time... I, I really wanted a forbidden door. I wanted Punk to go away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd be defending the title in, in Ring of in Honor, Ring of Honor yeah. wherever, and popping up on indie shows. He just came back too soon. They should have had, uh, you know, they should have had an interim champion, Rey Mysterio, or John Cena, or whatever, and uh, just just let Punk go away for for a good few months. Yeah, that's exactly what they should have done. Because they had they had Rey Mysterio. No, it wasn't Rey Mysterio. It was John Cena, wasn't it? I think who won the the title as like an interim champion. Yeah. And then CM Punk immediately comes back, and they have the sort of big stare down. They both sort of raise the belts in, in the ring, and and then they have that match. And um, I think Del Rio cashes in, and then Punk's in a program with Kevin Nash all of a sudden. And yeah, then. That, that, that's the... <laughs> That's the low point, isn't it? <laughs> and then he, um, they don't um, have the match, thank God, because I'm not sure how good a CM Punk Kevin Nash match would have been. But he wrestles Triple H and yeah. loses. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. But, I mean, it's been that story over and over and over again. Guys get over and they pull the rug out from under them. I mean, uh, another example would be um, Rusev. I mean, that whole Rusev Day thing got over like crazy. Um, and I think they gave him the US title or something like that and then yeah. did nothing more with him but um, he's a guy that I'm interested to see what they do with next in, in, in AEW because obviously he had the TNT title reign uh, I wasn't quite sure if Sammy was the right guy to to beat him I was kind of more in favour of Eddie Kingston getting it but um, what, were your, what were your sort of thoughts on that? I like if you're going to go from a guy like uh, Myro I like that you would go to a guy like Sammy uh rather than Eddie Kingston. Well, maybe Jungle Boy would have been a good choice as well. Uh, yeah, for the same reason as Sammy, yeah. I think. Um, you know, you, you, you go from the future and then you can give it back to somebody who's a, more of a veteran character, uh, as they have 
at the moment with Cody. Uh, I'm quite excited to see what what this uh, Cody storyline is is going to lead to too, because I, uh, you know, are they subtly making him the the Triple H? <laughs> I mean, he started off as the Triple H in a positive way, in a babyface way, as the creator. And yes, he was smashing up the throne and using the sledgehammer and stuff, but he was he was in effect their Triple H as well. Uh, and now he's sort of transitioning into the 2003. Bob Van Dam, Booker T burying Cody Rhodes. Hopefully, uh, <clears throat> that's what they're doing with him. Well, I said this on the podcast last week with uh, with Preet Paul, but would they potentially... I know they don't want to do it because they like to stick to stipulations, but is there a chance they could actually have him go for the title at some point? He, uh, well, he needs to be a heel if he does Exactly, yeah. Break stipulation so yeah I mean this this could be the way you get to it I've always thought that they probably would but they would keep it to, uh, on a long long time frame so it would be years rather than, than jettisoning it soon uh, and, and it would have to be uh, but I, I do think yeah they will eventually get him there we could talk all day, Lewis. I, I say it to every guest, so don't feel too honoured by, by me saying that. But um, obviously, I'll, I, you've got a lot of work on, so I appreciate you taking the time out to uh, to finally do this uh, podcast because you were very much one of the first guests. As I said at the top of the programme, you were one of the first guests I wanted to have on. I think when I first put out the post about doing the podcast, you were one of the first ones to say, yeah, I'd love to come on. And, and uh, Have you done any other wrestling podcasts before, by the way? Uh, I've done so. My mate Will Calling, do you know him? The name he, rings a bell. Yeah, he, he, he's right for Fighting Spirit Monthly. He's got his own. Um, it could be said uh, podcast <laughs> he does. So uh, I, I've been on with him. Uh, what did we? We went to see Fight Club Pro in Wolverhampton, uh, which was uh, you know the, the um, Trent Seven's promotion, and uh, we reviewed that. So this is my second wrestling podcast cool because i've had a lot of people where this has been their first podcast and that's that's really great because um yeah one of the real reasons for wanting to do this was yeah the fight game group is uh such a great group I and mean, we talk about so much in there i mean uh if you look at the mount rushmore's we do each week oh i say we i do them each week um it kind of i mean the wrestling ones yeah they get some attention and and, and people comment on them but it seems to be the non-wrestling ones that seem to um, people seem to gravitate more towards. Like we're doing uh, TV dads this week, and last week was um, obviously TV theme tunes. People seem to really get in, into that. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a really great group. A lot of like-minded folks, um, and yeah, it's been really great to, to converse with guys like yourself and um, have you on the podcast to talk. Um, about how we all became fans in the first place. And I think it's fair to say that once you catch a wrestling bug, you never really lose it, do you? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I know friends who have, but they're always on the cusp of coming back, or at least that's what I tell myself when I uh, message them and ask them to come round for WrestleMania. <laughs> It's hard because when people ask you, like the the, the question I always get used to, used to get asked when I was uh, you know a kid, and like a, an uncle or an auntie would ask you, "Well, who's the champion now?" And you could always say, "Oh, it's Brett or it's Hogan or whoever." Now you're like, "Well, you got you know Brock Lesnar's the champion on on Raw, and then you got Roman Reigns as the champion on SmackDown, and now you've got a company called AEW as well, where Hangman Page is the champion." It's like there's, there's so many um there's no longer like a, a a definitive champion i suppose back in the day you used to have wcw as well but i never really sort of looked at 
I suppose I never really sort of considered WCW that much because whenever anybody asked me, I always sort of said the WF champion. But uh, did you ever sort of get asked that question back in the day? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, I was uh, a kid in my formative years in the Attitude Era, so the the answer was usually Stone Cold. Yeah. And everybody seemed to know who Stone Cold was, even if they weren't into wrestling themselves. Uh, uh, yeah, as you say, WCW actually didn't um, ever factor in, even though you would have guys like Hogan or, or Flair that people knew as well with the belts. Um, but yeah, the I'm not a fan of two world titles in the in the same promotion, to be honest. And uh, I always thought the original. I don't know if it was the idea or if it was just what they did for one week, but I thought the idea of an undisputed champion who straddled the brands was probably the better idea, and they went away from it. And that was definitely the better idea. But I mean, just one final thing: Did you ever really follow WCW? Because I know when I was a kid, I think we're, we're similar kind of ages. I, I was born in '86. I'm guessing you were '85. Yeah. Um, I I didn't have Sky, but I could get. WCW, WCW used to be shown late on ITV. Did you ever, did you ever catch WCW back then? Uh, so that was really early, wasn't it? Because I, um, I, I didn't watch it. Too. I remember seeing Cactus Jack on television on ITV. Yeah, because they used to. I think it was on a late night. It was on late night, but then they moved it to Saturday afternoon. You know, they had the um, Saturday afternoons on ITV. They used to show it in like the old World of Sports slot. Um, so then maybe that was around that sort of time, sort of ninety, sort of ninety three, ninety four, maybe yeah. somewhere around then. But I do remember Nitro being on TNT. Uh, yeah, Cable Cartoon Star. Network became TNT, and then you had Nitro come on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so I would always watch the first hour of Nitro and then switch over to Raw. Uh, so when I go back to Nitro these days, uh, I, the first hour is always really familiar to me, and then I know nothing from what comes after. Well, that was always the best hour because that's when they put the cruiserweights on, wasn't it? Like you, yeah, would, you would yeah. see Rey Mysterio or Juventud or whoever, um, and the first hour of Nitro was always pretty good. And I'm sure it probably went downhill after that. But yeah, Friday night was definitely wrestling night because you had Nitro and Raw both on. Um, but. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of Dynamite, I mean, how do you follow that? Do you sort of pick it up on ITV, or do you follow it on uh, the fight on on fight on, on on the fight app? Yeah, on the AEW Plus on the yeah. on the fight app. Uh, I, I really don't like the ITV hub. Uh, it just doesn't no, work very well on the television. So, and and AEW Plus on fight is is brilliant. So that's what I use. Yeah, and the pay-per-views, I mean, how do you find watching the pay-per-views live? I mean, because I find that when I was younger, I could watch them no problem at all. But as you get older, it's kind of harder to stay up to like four or five in the morning. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm a night owl, so yeah, I, I get through them okay. I'm a night owl too, but I, I, I normally by about two or three in the morning, I, I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to hit the sack. I, I can't stay yeah. up. I'm, I find it hard to stay up to four or five, to be honest with you. But uh, anyway, we will, uh, we'll wrap it up here. But Lewis, um, thanks very much for, uh, for coming on. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to finally get to do this with you. Yeah, good to talk to you. And uh, as I say to every guest, um, obviously this podcast will end at some point because I run out of guests. Uh, I'm sure. I'll, be doing more podcasts in the future and i'd love to have you back on at some point yeah it would be great to talk to you again and i will see you kicking around the group and thank you for keeping those mount rushmores going well, i'm glad you're enjoying them <laughs> so uh, for lewis i'm david signing off and thank you for listening to another episode of the how i caught the wrestling bug podcast <laughs>